Welcome to another episode of the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf, for Leaf. Yo, I want to welcome the audience back. Thank you so much for tuning in. You could be doing anything with your time, but you chose to tune in and rock with me. So I appreciate that. Yo, I want to talk a little bit about baseball. And let's just talk about sports just in general. We've been inside for a minute. I think people have been starving for any type of legitimate American sport. So, I mean, I know there's been soccer. I don't really give a shit about soccer. Um, No offense to those that do, but that's not really some American shit. Um, You know, there's been Korean baseball. That shit comes on too early in the morning. And I'm not a gambler, so I'm not really watching Korean baseball. So, something to think about as we think about, you know, the rollouts of professional sports is that the real money isn't really the ticket payer or the ticket buyer. I mean, that's kind of the icing on the cake. The real money is the TV dough. That's where the money is. So, Everything that's being done is this mad rush, scramble, this crash grab. Like, we've got to get this TV dough. So, there's multiple different approaches. I don't even think until later on, you know, months, years later, we'll be able to understand the full ramifications of the decisions that were made. And we're not made. And I'm just talking about sports. So Major League Baseball was the force was the first just to say, fuck it. We're gonna get back out there. Now initially, Major League Baseball had proposed playing in a bubble. Playing in a bubble out in Arizona, and that's what they were gonna do. And the players started having, you know, asking questions. It's like, you know, what was going to be out there? Is my family, can my family go out there? And it never really popped off. So they ended up settling on this 60-game season for a myriad of different reasons that we don't really need to get into. But the long and short of it is they agreed to a 60-game season. No bubble. We're just going to test you every now and then. And you just come on to the ballpark and, you know, we're just going to hang out. So, look, I've tuned in. I've checked out some of the games. The games that I have seen, they don't look like the players are really social distancing in the clubhouse. You know, they still high-fiving, you know, all the type of shit. You know, you see the guys in the dugout are really wearing the mask. And let me just, just as a quick FYI out there. So there's two types of people in the world, I think about. For two types of people that want to avoid the plague, right? There are people who are saying, I'm going to avoid the pandemic, right? By staying the fuck at home. And then there are people that are going to say, I'm going to go outside, but I'm going to avoid the pandemic by, you know, trying to keep some modicum of space between me and everybody else in perpetuity every time I'm outside, every point in time. And in combination with that, I'm going to wear a mask. 
That's going to protect everyone else around me. Totally get the concept of the mask. But what I think that a lot of individuals don't get is that if you don't wear the mask properly, it really defeats the purpose. And now it's just a fashion statement. So what do I mean by that? If you're wearing a mask and I can see your nostrils, that's really, it's, it's a shame. It's come to like common sense is something that is now rare, apparently, you know, hard to find in our civil discourse. So, you know, I've seen multiple guys out there, baseball players, you know, the shit, you know, nose out, you know, just, just all sorts of different variations on what you really should be doing to wear the mask. But the point is, now you're out here, you're wearing your mask, but even at that point, every ball player goes back to their own homes at a certain point. Hey, they're not in a bubble. They're not sequestered. They're going home. So now you have to hope that everybody else in their house is sequestered. They're all in quarantine as well. You got to hope that no one is going out. You know, no one is doing anything. Everybody's just staying in the fucking house. And... Look, you can have the best intentions, right, and still get COVID. I think that's the piece that, you know, these people got COVID, they just weren't weren't being practical, they weren't being safe. It's like, no, man, it's a fucking pandemic. It's not the chicken pox. I, I just think that we need to have more empathy for individuals who get the disease, contract the disease but on the same point in time i think there's got to be you know a common sense standard that has to come in play as it relates to hey how do you protect yourself what are you doing with your time but again just think about the major league baseball player and in a lot of respects he's the pioneer because he's telling you what your work experience is going to be like meaning you could be home, you can spend all your time at your house, and then the only time you go out, you know, is to go out to go to your job, and you're doing everything that you're supposed to do to social distance and all that kind of good stuff. And your office mate, you know, fucking Steven, Steven can be at the fucking bars, you know, running around, no mask on, hugging motherfuckers, doing everything else like that, and now Steven's fucked you. So, now imagine... If you're like the outfielder for like the fucking Kansas City Royals, you know, I mean, just think about that for a second, like how crazy this shit can get very, very quickly. So baseball is out there and like we said, hey, doesn't really appear to be that safe, but fuck it. Let's try it. 17, not five, not six, but 17 players on the Marlins, Florida Marlins, have now come down with COVID. So they've now said, all right, well, you know what? You know, the Marlins, you just chill the fuck out. Everybody else is going to go out and continue to play. We're going to put the Marlins on quarantine for two weeks, or for at least, I guess, a week or something, something crazy. And then we'll see. Number one... What I don't think that these owners, the players, 
and even the fans understand and the general public understands, COVID is not, the testing that is done for COVID is just a snapshot in time. That's all it is. It is a snapshot. So let me just explain this. If I go out right now and I go and I get a COVID test, the majority of COVID tests that are available right now take at least 24 hours, sometimes up to a week, sometimes two weeks to get back with the results. In the meantime, while you're waiting for your COVID results, you could have you could have been exposed to the disease and contracted it. But yet by the time you get your test back, your test is telling you, hey, you don't have COVID, which in fact you actually do. So in actuality, getting a COVID test and having the results, anything less in my mind than an hour, if it takes longer than an hour to get the results, unless you lock yourself in a room during the time period it's going to take for you to get the results back, it really doesn't mean shit. Not only does it not mean shit, it doesn't mean shit for you, but it also doesn't mean shit for anybody else around you. But now Major League Baseball is saying, hey, 17 guys got it on the team. We're going to, you know, not play Marlin games for like 10 days, maybe a week or so. Then, then these guys are going to hopefully get back out there. At what point in time can we all just acknowledge it's all about the money? Fuck your health, fuck my health, fuck everybody's health. It's about the fucking money. So let's think about just some other approaches that sports teams have taken as it relates to COVID. Major League, uh, well, we talked about Major League Baseball. The NBA took a different approach. The NBA said, all right, well, you know what? We're going to make these motherfuckers all come to this bubble. We're going to play this truncated season, you know, in the bubble. And, you know, look, look, let's be fair. There are less players on a NBA team than there are on a Major League Baseball team, right? It's not only that, I mean, you know, it's just there's more active players on the roster. So if you extrapolate that out, there's more people than you would have to put in the bubble. But again, we're talking about billions of dollars at stake. And the reality is, why would you not just spend the money and try the bubble? But hey, fuck it. Baseball just went raw dog on the pandemic. Let's see how they make out. Now let's talk basketball. So basketball says, all right, we're going to bring the players in. We're going to quarantine them. We're going to test them. You know, we're going to do the whole thing. We're going to bring them into the bubble. And, um, you know, everybody's going to be safe. In theory... That makes sense. But here's the challenge with going outside in a pandemic. 
you literally are relying, your safety is dependent upon others. So let me just repeat that. Technically, you should be able to go out right now and, you know, social distance and go on a mask and you should be strict. But in actuality, your health in the pandemic is contingent upon what others are doing. So if you go outside, you only motherfucker with a mask, that really doesn't help you or anybody else. Right? And the same thing goes for being in the bubble. You know, I'm in the bubble, you in the bubble, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing. You know, we're getting tested. You know, it is what it is. We're going to work this out. But if you go outside the bubble or you interact with people who have been outside the bubble, some shit can start to pop off. And the reality is, you know, the average age of an NBA player, I would argue, is probably about you know, less than 30 years old, right? So you're asking a bunch of dudes, you know, sometimes, you know, dudes are not even 21 years old yet to adhere to policies and procedures that you as a grown adult may not even adhere to. So what do I mean by that? Like, what what what, do you, what am I making the big to do about What's the problem? Well, let me give you a perfect illustration of said issue. And said issue, thy name is Lou Williams. Sweet Lou Williams. Um, the NBA player plays for the Clippers. Now, Sweet Lou was given permission to leave the bubble to attend his grandfather's funeral over the weekend. Right? So that makes sense, you know, look, <clears throat> we can say to the players, hey, stay in the fucking bubble, play the games in the bubble, you're getting a lot of money, it's only a certain amount of time, just fucking do it. We're under quarantine, you go under there, you go under quarantine. But what that doesn't account for is Sweet Lou Williams. So Sweet Lou goes to see his grandfather's you know, at the funeral, goes to his grandfather's funeral. I'm sure that's very traumatic. So he leaves the bubble. There's a lot of grieving. And look, everybody grieves differently. Okay? I'm not here to judge the ways in which Sweet Lou grieves. But what I am here to say is, if you are leaving the bubble in the middle of a pandemic, after going to your grandfather's funeral, it's probably not a good look to be caught in the strip club. So, Sweet Lou Williams was spotted at Magic City getting some food. That's what his argument was. He said, I was only at Magic City to get food. So he was caught at Magic City. And for those of you who do not know, Magic City is a strip club. Uh, Sweet Lou was grieving in the strip club, but in actuality, he wasn't really even grieving in the strip club. He was happened to be in the strip club because they serve great wings. Now, I'm not a hater. 
I'm not a hater of wings. I'm not a hater of strip clubs. But what I am, I'm a dude who doesn't like for certain things to be mixed and matched. Right? So, fried chicken, ass clapping. Like, naked ass clapping. That's what's going on at Magic. Listen, it's like Magic City isn't some white strip club where the girls wear bikinis and they Vogue fucking dance. No, they're shaking ass in Magic City. So, first of all, I didn't even know Magic City was open. God bless. I mean, I just it just doesn't seem like a good place to be during a pandemic. But in the words of Lou Williams, the wings are awesome. So, understandably, Lou Williams got some heat. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about his hot wings. He got some heat for being at the strip club during the pandemic while the rest of the players were in the boat. And his response was, 15 years in this business, and the most dirt you have on my name is stopping to get some hot wings during the pandemic? Ha 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 Well, sweet Lou, I would love to say that you getting hot wings at a strip club during the pandemic is the most dirt we have on your name. I'm an NBA fan, but at this point in my life, I'm not like an NBA, I know the journeyman fan, right? Like I don't know like the 10th dude off the bench for the Utah Jazz. Like I used to know that type of information. I no longer know it. I know Sweet Lou for two reasons. One, Lou started his career off with the 76ers. Uh, I believe he went straight out of high school. He was there uh, at the end of the Allen Iverson experience. <laughs> it didn't really go well for Sweet Lou. If you come in, people thinking you're the next coming of Allen Iverson. He was not. But look, Sweet Lou's been around the league for a good minute. He's played in the NBA for over a decade. You know, he's he's gotten checks. But here's the one thing that I remember about Sweet Lou Williams. And I'm going to read this for me. NBA Lou Williams. The first thing most people think about when they hear Lou Williams' name is that back in 2014, Baller, Baller Alert reported that he was openly dating two women at the same time. So, not only, so he was, he, he acknowledged that he was dating two women at the same time. Um, one of them he called blonde. The other one he called brown. Um, they were on social media together. They seemed to be getting along. Drake even made a song about or made, made reference to them in a song. So that's what I remember Lou Williams as. I remember Lou Williams as a nigga who had two girlfriends. Um, I would love for Lou Williams, I, I, I believe in 2000. So this, this came out in 2014, I believe in 2016. He broke up with one of the two girlfriends. I don't know whether it was blonde or brown, but one of them got cut back. But he stills with the other one. I believe him. He might even be where <clears throat> he might even be married. 
But the point of the story is, I would love to have Lou Williams on the podcast. Not to talk about the hot wings, but to give more pertinent information as it relates to the two girlfriend scenario. So I always knew Lou as Lou Two Girlfriends Williams. Like they don't call him sweet for nothing. I don't even know what type of conversations he must have on like a daily basis. You know? <clears throat> because that could be a something like, hey, we you know we all, you know, hanging out, drinking, or whatever. You know, like you might be able to convince motherfuckers of like for a day. But then you think the next day they kind of sober up at some point and say, I ain't know, what did I agree to? You know, so so for him, you so you think, bottom line, at least from my perspective, again, I don't know, I would love to hear from Lou Williams, that you'd have to have, like, reassuring conversations, like, every day. If not, if not once, at least twice, at least three times a day, you'd have to have <clears throat> self-affirming conversations just to get these babes to be continually be comfortable with the whole scenario, but... Apparently, it was all working out for, for Sweet Lou. So, I'm not a hater. I just have questions. Sweet Lou, please come on the program. And if you know Sweet Lou, please tell him that we would love to have him on the program. So, that's the NBA. Um, now, next up is the NFL. And the NFL, you just got to think about this is a t This is a league that literally had to be threatened with lawsuits, right? Threatened with lawsuits to make it mandatory that teams at least try to interview some black folk. This is a league that had to settle the whole concussions lawsuit. Now, they ended up fucking the players, not giving them a lot of money, but the point is it was so bad they had to settle on that shit. So my point being, if you looked at all of the leagues and said to yourself, which league is most likely to give less of a fuck about its players, it would be the NFL. The NFL is like the consummate bachelor. It's never going to get married. Everyone that it dates is very disposable in nature. So now you have the consummate bachelor faced with the pandemic. What will the NFL do? The NFL is going to raw dog it, but raw dog it in a, you know, it's going to say, you know what? Major League Baseball, I see your raw dogging and I'm going to raise your fuckery by two. So NFL players right now, a great majority of them are participating in some type of preseason camps. I don't even know what that looks like. But just imagine, so of all the sports, I believe NFL's got the most players on the roster. Training camp, you typically have more players than you would keep in a regular season. So let's just spitball and say about, right now at camp, it's about 70 guys. 70 people at the very least. Now we're not even talking about, you know, the coaches, the trainers, everybody else in the building related to the team. These motherfuckers are, you know, in the showers. 
You know, they're in, you know, rooms together, yelling, they're shouting. Like, can any of this possibly be safe? Can it be? Now, you've already heard about a couple of players testing positive before camp started. I haven't seen any numbers as it relates to how many players currently uh, have uh, contracted the disease. But if the NFL thinks, like Major League Baseball thinks, like even the NBA thinks, that somehow policies and procedures, no matter how vague or how granular, are going to prevent the spread of an infectious disease, a contagious fucking disease. When everyone is telling you the best way to stay safe, to stay safe, is to stay home. That's not even up for dispute. People want to make, you know, again, just because you want something, you're desirous of something, doesn't mean that there is a literal safe rationale for you to do it. But we'll see. And I love my sports. So let's come back to Major League Baseball a week from now. Let's see how many motherfuckers are sick. And let's see if the season is still going on. Um, it's a lot of things, you know, I've been away for a minute, so it's definitely a lot of different things I wanted to talk about, but I want to be, you know, respectful of my time and yours. I find one of the things to be interesting is John Lewis has passed away. Um, you know, and there's just like, you know, I think some white people have, you know, mistaken him for another congressman and it's just, you know, you know what? Stay consistent, white people. Stay consistent. I appreciate you. I love you for it. The one thing I did want to talk about, and this came to me, and I, I, I saw it, I thought about it, and it took me about like a day to digest because I never, I never really considered the fact that certain people are stupid. You know, and let me be honest with you, and maybe you think differently, but I confer a certain level of intelligence to a guy who went to Harvard. I do. You know, you tell me, hey, I graduated from Harvard, and my response is, oh, you must be a smart motherfucker. Right? And I think most people would think the same way. So I'm going to read you this from the Washington Post. Nearly a year after the 1619 Project hit magazine stands, Senator Tom Cotton is trying to start a congressional debate over the New York Times Project re-examining slavery in the U.S. history. So let me just stop there for a second. 
we're in a pandemic. Okay? So let's give context to the shit that Tom Picking Cotton is representing. Tom Picking Cotton could look around, see the coronavirus rates rising in his own state of Arkansas. Tom Picking Cotton can look and see that number one, Student loan extensions in terms of deferments, that's about to that's about to end. Number two, rent deferments, that's about to end. The moratorium on evictions, that shit's about to end. Unemployment uh, additional benefits, that shit's about to end. All these things are running out. They're running out at the end of the fucking month. So let's just make sure we take this into context of the, uh, regarding the shit that really keeps Tom picking cotton up late at night. It's none of the things that we're talking about. It's just this nagging question of slavery that's been eating away at Mr. Cotton. So last week, this again, I, I can't even imagine, like last week, the conservative lawmaker proposed a bill seeking to ban schools from adopting the project as part of their curriculum. The series of essays, poetry, fictional, and fiction peddling the false notion he alleged that America is systematically a racist country with slavery, slavery irredeemably trapped inside its core. Now, let's think about this for a second. Let's give some further context. Tom Picking Cotton. See, last names are a motherfucker, right? I have my last name because I am a descendant of slaves. And that was the name of the owner of the plantation. Mr. Cotton, Tom Picking Cotton, his ancestors were slaveholders. I don't like to use the word owner because I think it gives them too much credit. I think of the word as holder because they just held on to niggas and traded them out when they wanted to. But just remember, these are the things that are important to Tom Cotton. When the literal world is on fire, Tom Cotton, you know what? He is standing up to the New York Times, and in his words, a series of essays, poetry, and fiction. Dude, if you think it's fiction, why do you give a fuck? And his point is that America is systematically a racist country. Tom Picking cotton. I, I look, there's two answers for this. The first answer is Tom picking cotton is a motherfucking moron. That's one answer. 
But I think there's a more nuanced answer. And that more nuanced answer is this. White guilt. If Tom picking cotton has to come to terms with all of the pent up guilt in his heart because he knows that his direct ancestors, meaning that he and his family have benefited over time off the backs of black folks. Well done, sir. Well done. Tip of the hat. For you to redeflect this shit and talk about how America is something other than what you literally have seen demonstrated on television. You can watch it on the news. You can turn on the news any day and there's at least one story about a black person who has been murdered or beaten up by the police. But yet your thought process is shit is cool. What the fuck? What are we talking about? So, this is another quote from Mr. Cotton. As the founding fathers said, it was slavery. I'll say it. Well, slavery was the necessary evil upon which the union was built. The union was built in a way, as Lincoln said, to put the slave on the course of its ultimate extinction. Or to put slavery on the course of its ultimate extinction. But I want to go back to the first point here. And this is the point that Tom Cotton wrote. Okay? Or he's he is quoted as saying, and he's backed that up. This is his quote. As the founding fathers said, it was the necessary evil upon which the union was built. I don't know what founding father he's talking about. Number one. Number two, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit if it was George Washington and they got that motherfucker a recording. Someone went back in time and recorded George Washington saying those words. I wouldn't give a shit what a slave owner has to say to justify owning slaves. What kind of moronic language? Think about the thought process here that Mr. Cotton wants you to believe. And he called it fake news. No, no, fake news. I was simply saying our founding fathers thought it was a necessary evil. Here's the thing that white people don't want to talk about. The realities of slavery. They would like, like you to believe, Tom Cotton and others like him, would like you to believe, hey, you know what? Yeah, we did get some free labor from these niggers. But we fed them, we closed them, we educated them. You know, we did everything we could. Here's the thing that I want to say to those people. What 
about the rape, sir? What about the rape? What about taking babies from their mothers and selling them? What about, you know what? It is a, you fall for the banana in the tailpipe when you have to explain the indignities of slavery because that white man already knows that's why he's talking the way that he's talking because he feels guilty about it. So, yo, for real, I love Tom Cotton. I love him in the sense that he doesn't give a fuck. But what the the point that I want to really raise here, and it's less about getting angry at Tom Cotton for his views or lack thereof as it relates to slavery. It's more about, yo, man, there's a pandemic going on. So whether it's you, you know, running up here with the dog whistles to talk about slavery or Trump talking about Confederate flags or rioters in Portland of all motherfucking places. I don't even know how many black people there are in Portland. You can talk about any of those things that you want. I'm focused on the one exclusive issue that you should be focused on, which is the fucking pandemic. So I don't run and I'm not involved with the Joe Biden campaign. I'm not on social media, but my retort to Tom Cotton, to Mitch McConnell, to Donald Trump, any of these dudes, when they say anything from here on out that doesn't start with social distancing and stay at home orders, do your fucking job, get to work. Yo, just get to work. Tom Cotton, get to work. If you have the time to create this utopian fantasy view of fucking slavery, B, you got too much fucking free time. You got too much time. Anyways, as always, I want to thank the audience Please stay safe, stay situated, stay calm, stay positive. Peace.